You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Like any kid, my childhood dream was to play this game. Never in my dreams, I think I'd be in it for 44 years. And this is what makes this moment so much more difficult. But to manage here with these players in this city, with you fans, has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making it so. Love you all. That was a day to remember for Bruce Bochy and the entire city of San Francisco. He paved the way to joy and relief in guiding the Giants to three World Series championships. He took me through every big moment during his Giants tenure, including the game that made him the most nervous out of all of them. And believe it or not, it wasn't one of the playoff games. Those stories and more as we go inside Bruce Bochy's Giant Moments now. now. This is Inside Giant Moments, presented by Oracle. Our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Bruce Bochy joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. What a thrill it is to have you, Bruce. How are you? Thank you for doing it. Mark, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, no, this is, uh, this should be fun. Uh, you know, I, I'll have to get some cobwebs out. Uh, we're going back a few years, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I always have the Internet right in front of me, so we can fact-check each other as we roll. It's all, it's all good. I appreciate that. Uh, for instance, yeah, yeah. You know what I didn't know about you until we really started to, to kind of dive into your story because the giant story is so familiar for – for all of us, but the championship pedigree that you've shown with the Giants has kind of been your story all along, and I wonder if Giants fans even know that. They know that you took the Padres to the World Series, which was a huge story in and of itself, uh, but um, you won managerial titles in the minors in three different leagues in a four-year period. It, 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 I mean, it feels like you've kind of always had a bit of the magic touch. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate you always look at, uh, you know, the, the talent that you have and, of course, the character of the, of the ball clubs and that. And I'll go back to the minor leagues. That's the way it was with me my first year when I was in Spokane, Washington. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's the year I'll, I'll never forget, uh, you know, 1988, I mean, 89. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Towers, ironically, was my pitching coach who ended up being my uh, – general manager in San Diego and uh and we won a championship there and then uh won one in uh, high desert uh that was the first year they had a team then uh I was promoted to Wichita which is uh the Texas league and uh and happened to win one there so uh you know those are you know those are great times and, and I've said this many times there that's invaluable experience for uh young players too you know the to play in that kind of situation uh uh, because uh, good athletes, they learn how to perform under pressure. And, uh, it starts there. 
uh, th- there have always been some connections that ended up kind of showing up with the Giants, whether it be Terry Kennedy and Benito Santiago, who you had San Diego connections with and went on to be Giants. You mentioned the Texas League. Uh, we did an episode already with Brian Johnson and heard a little story from him. I didn't realize he was with you for that championship in the in the minors as well. Now, he says he was there when you hurt your back one day at the workout facility. Is that how you remember it, too? Oh, yeah. I was in Midland, Texas, and uh, that's back when I was lifting pretty heavy, and uh, I was doing uh, some squats on the squat machine. And, uh, you know, most of the bigger weights, uh, they're 45-pounders. But uh, Texas, I guess, you know, it's all about being bigger, and that they had these 100-pound plates. And so I grabbed this 100-pound plate, and I made a turn to put it on the uh, barbell, and I went straight down like somebody shot me. And uh, I couldn't walk. And luckily, Brian was there, and uh, they got me, uh, you know, back to the hotel. And uh, I was, I mean, they had to help me uh, get to the dugout for two weeks. I, I couldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, that's a memory I'd like to forget because I'd tell you what, that was some kind of painful. But uh, uh, good time, though. And, uh, yeah, Brian did a heck of a job for me. That's, that's where uh, we kind of got to know each other. Yeah, he claims that 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 is the the key ingredient to championships. Him and you. Yeah, you know, I I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, you know, Brian. <laughs> uh, he, he, I, I tell you what, he's a quarter, he was a quarterback at uh, Stanford. And uh, one thing about Brian, uh, you know, he he played to win. That's what I loved about him, and uh, that's that was uh, you know just the way he, he carried himself. He, he was a leader in that club, and. You know, from that kind of, uh, I think, ignited him on to uh, his career, you know, to to make it to the big leagues. Uh, I remember Joe McAveen was the general manager in our winter meetings. Uh, you know, I just had to pump up Brian uh, Johnson with uh, you know, the way he plays and the bat. I mean, he just came on quick there, but uh, uh, he's been a good friend since then. It was another Brian who, of course, brought you to the Giants. Brian Sabian thought about that magic touch as well and, and, and jumped at the opportunity to bring you to the organization. And I would love to hear your perspective on this. You're coming off back-to-back playoff ex- uh, appearances with the Padres. What was going on at that time that made that organization allow you to leave even within the division? Yeah, Mark, you know, it was a uh, unique situation, I guess, uh, because we did uh, make it to the postseason, but, you know, we got beat by the Cardinals uh, um, in 06 uh, in the first round again. And, uh, you know, and Kevin Towers, he was a general manager, and uh, Sandy Allison was the president. But we just had a conversation uh, after the season, and, uh it's a you know after that conversation, it was a mutual agreement that uh, you know what if there was something else uh, out there, then you know I I could uh, pursue it. Uh, uh, because at that point, at that point, they just had mentioned that you know they weren't in position to extend my contract. I had one year left on my deal, Mark, but I wasn't looking for an extension. So you know that kind of surprised me to be honest, and you know a little awkward. Uh, but after that, I just said, you know what, it's time. And uh, I just felt like uh, it was time for me, my family. And uh, and I couldn't couldn't have been in a better situation. I could have stayed in San Diego and, uh, and managed another year or, you know, look around. And uh, I talked to the Cubs. Uh, um, Washington had inquired about me. But, uh, you know, I, 
there was some, something uh, about uh, San Francisco that just intrigued me, uh, you know, being on the other side, uh, looking at that new ballpark, uh, watching Brian work. I mean, yeah, I know at the trade deadline, they always did what they could to win. And, and, uh, and so, you know, he, we started talking on the phone and, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks, I came up to San Francisco and, uh, Pat Dobson uh, was there, um, rest in peace, Pat, but he, uh, he was part of the uh, interview process and it was a beautiful interview. All we did, uh, Brian, uh, that was his style. We just went to different little uh, places and, uh, have a beer or cocktail and just talk baseball. And, uh, and I knew, uh, you know, after that, that, uh, I wanted to come up to San Francisco. Yeah. You know, Brian had convinced me that's where I should be. And, uh, and yeah, I made some you know good and bad decisions, but uh, yeah, there wasn't a better uh, decision for me I've ever made in my career at that time. So this was a peaceful time for you. This was this was not a, a difficult thing when you look back on it. Not at all. No, no. You know, Mike. Sometimes you just got to know uh, when it's time for a change. Uh, um, and I just, I just knew it was uh, for me. And, uh, so no, it, it was actually an exciting time. Uh, you know, I, sometimes, uh, Mark, it's, it's not just for you. It's time for a change, but for everybody, uh, uh, even the team, uh, you know, for them, uh, to hear a new voice. Uh, I was there, what, uh, 95, I got to add this up 12 years, uh, um, <laughs> And I just said, you know what, it's 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 going to be good for everybody, and uh, um, and you know I was ready for a, a new challenge, I guess you could say. Uh, and so, and no, it, there was no uh, problem at all uh, between Kevin and I. We remained good friends after that. Uh, uh, and there was, believe me, my uh, Kim, my wife, she was ready for a change, and she loved the city of San Francisco. So we, we were just excited about coming up there. That first year in 07 was also the final year for Barry Bonds. I wonder if you feel that that was a challenging time, an awkward time. There's obviously a lot of transition going on, you coming in, his presence on the way out. So how did that that time feel to you? Well, um, you know, First, I'll preface it. The only awkward time about it was the uh, was the first opening, uh, you know, spring training speech at the manager. You know, he helped talk to the players and, uh, and do his intros and, and give a message. And uh, and I remember talking to the club there, and I'm looking at Barry back in the corner. I said, and that was a little awkward because for years I've been trying to get this, you know, son of a gun out and uh, battling, uh, you know, the Giants, and here I am wearing a Giants uniform and. So that first day was it just seemed a little awkward, but that's that's the norm. I think it takes a, you know a, a little while to really get comfortable with it, with everything. And uh, but after that, Barry was great. He was great with me. Uh, I loved talking baseball with him, and Barry would come in my office quite a bit uh, that first year, and he just loved to talk baseball. And he knew it. He, tell you what, he knew everything going on. He knew about every player. Uh, um, you know, I just love his, his sage, his uh, wisdom. Uh, that um, you know he could provide uh, for the team, and uh, so I enjoyed my uh, my last year with him. Now coming up there, sure, I had heard some things, and he had his entourage, and Barry was in his own world. But uh, you know, I didn't see that. I, you know, I just saw you know a guy that uh, loved the game. He you know he wanted to keep playing, and uh, 
and could still play. And, um, you know, Barry can still go out there and hit one out of the park if you right. asked him to. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I enjoyed my year with him. How does a manager handle balancing the chase for daily wins, just your regular job, along with the chase for an iconic record as Bonds is going for 756 that year? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that's going to get a lot of focus. Uh, you know, where he's about to, you know, hit hit the milestone, and uh, so, uh, you know, you're sure you you have to appreciate that, and uh, but that, you know, that's not what you're there for, and uh, and it's not like I ever met with the club and talked about it. It's about wins. It really is, and uh, and that's going to happen. Just a matter of time, and that's what you have to realize. And, and that was not. I mean, that was. That was a tough year for us. Uh, we were an older club. Uh, we were in the midst of making some changes. Uh, Brian and I talked about even changing uh, philosophy a little bit, get more pitching, uh, defensive uh, um, style of baseball. And so uh, we we had a tough year. It wasn't a honeymoon. And uh, I remember I brought Tim Flannery up, and uh, Flann asked me more than once, what, what did you get me into? Because there were times <laughs> when they were hooting on us pretty good, uh, because you know we we weren't doing that well, and they you know they were accustomed to having success, even though the year before was a tough year for them. But the Giants had had a lot of good uh, years there, and uh, so we had, we had to wear it. And uh, you know I'm fortunate the ownership of Brian uh, stood behind us and uh, and what the plan was going to be, and, uh, uh, and so we're we're lucky that we had some patient owners. Well, you, you talk about trying to find some pitching. You sure did. It, it, it did take a couple of years, but in 09, signs of life, the team gets 88 wins. Lincecum and Kane are really starting to be uh, established starters. You even had a few outings late from a very young Madison Bumgarner. At what point are you and Sabian and everybody looking at this and realizing you, you have the makings of something really special? Oh, Mark, I say 09, definitely 09. You know, I, I really think we we should have made the postseason that year. I, uh, you know, we really faded on the offensive part. And, uh, um, you know, we had some guys that just hit a skid there. And uh, we had trouble scoring runs. But, uh, you know, I, I knew going into uh, uh, 2010 that, uh, you know, this team should win. And sometimes you have to make that, you know, that, that first step, that small step to uh, – to make the next big step. And I, I thought that's what we did in 09. We competed. We, we were very competitive going in September. We were close to getting to the postseason, but you know, I could see this pitching uh, and how good it could be. And, and that's what the game's about. I, I don't care what they say. Uh, if you have good pitching, uh, you, you're going to win. Now you're looking at Lensham come and, uh, and Kane and Baumgartner. I mean, and Jonathan Sanchez, I mean, these guys, uh, and I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, um, I just thought one guy uh, played a big part in uh, in helping develop these guys into uh, winning type uh, pitchers. <clears throat> because, and I don't mean get long winded. When you've had some tough years, sometimes getting that winning mentality that's tough for these players. They get accustomed to losing, and, and they don't have that confidence or think they belong. And uh, but I thought Randy Johnson when we signed him. And, uh, you know, he challenged guys. Uh, for example, he challenged uh, Timmy, who had won one side young. He goes, well, is, are you going to be content with that? You know, because I don't know how many uh, Randy won, but uh, he he got on Timmy about that and uh, pushed him and uh, and really all the other guys. And just watching him lead by example 
you know, how he hit the mound, I, I think, uh, helped change their mentality. So I, I felt good after 2009. That's a really interesting comment. I, I don't think most Giants fans look back at that time and think about a key role that Randy Johnson played in this whole thing. Huge role. Huge. I, I mean, I, I couldn't be more adamant about that, how, how, how much he uh, helped change the mentality uh, of, of those starters and, and, and what he did for them. And, uh, and, you know, I was in a similar situation back in 98. Uh, when I was with San Diego, we uh, picked up uh, Kevin Brown from the Marlins, and uh, he changed our club, you know. But that's why the, you know, a, a number one or you know just a guy with an attitude, uh, uh, what he can do for the rest of them. I mean that that just gets contagious. Uh, don't forget the catching position, which I know is near and dear to you. Uh, you know what that position can do for a whole team. So when Buster Posey arrives in 2010 for good. What happens to the entire team right then? Yeah, well, I mean, we had a pretty good catcher. We we did, and Benji yep. Molina, and uh, you know, he he had done a good job for us. We had brought up Buster in '09, and 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 you know, you, you know this guy, he, he's going to be there uh, real real quick. And uh, and so in 2010, I think in uh, at the end of May, uh, uh, Brian uh, uh, brought. Uh, Buster up. Pat, Pat Burrell came up the same day, but, uh, you know, and that's without question. Uh, Buster changed our team. I mean, he, uh, we ended up trading Benji, I think, a month later, and I, I think that was, you know, important because you, you didn't want, you know, any conflict there. Not not that there was, but uh, um, but I think Benji probably helped mentor Buster a little bit. I, I, you know, he can answer that better than me, but then no question that uh, we're, we're different. You know, we became a different team. Now um, we got a young guy that's, uh, you know, a lot of pitchers, you know, they, at first uh, they probably were a little hesitant here. They're going to throw their rookie, but it, it was, wasn't long before they, they knew that, uh, you know, this was one of the best catchers uh, that they you know, will ever get a chance to throw to. And he led the way. And uh, and it was more his catch. I mean, his hitting, of course, was, was outstanding, but uh, – this way he handled the staff, and uh, you know, without him, it doesn't happen, that championship or all three, uh, you know, and that, that changed our club. Uh, the chase throughout the summer of 2010, you're in shouting distance pretty much the entire summer, but on August 28th, you guys are six games out in the NL West. Where's your confidence level at that time, and what are you saying to the guys? Yeah, Mark, actually, uh, we did meet uh, in August, and, and Really, man. The mantra at that time was, "Hey, just keep going, keep pushing." Uh, San Diego's going to trip. They're, you know, they're, they're going to stumble. You know, because they really played great ball up up until August, and in uh, August is really where we had our chance to make some ground. But unfortunately, we had, uh, we were terrible in August, and uh, <laughs> you know, that's when that's when Timmy hit his skid. I think he went zero and five, and. But fortunately, you know, San Diego, who could have really ran away with it at that time, they were having their struggles. And uh, even though we were bad, we were, you know, uh, inching away uh, uh, catching them. I think we were seven, seven and a half back in July. So yep. and it shows you how bad San Diego was struggling because we, you know, we weren't good in August either. And then, uh, of course, we hit a good streak. Uh, we had a great September. Our numbers, our starting pitching, they were unbelievable in September, and uh, San Diego struggled. And uh, 
And so, you know, it did happen. They did struggle, but more importantly, uh, you know, we played well. And that's that's what how we made up all that ground, the six games you're talking about. And uh, by the time San Diego arrives in San Francisco for that final weekend series, uh, you're, you're up knowing that you you only need one game. Shoot it straight with me here, Boach. How did it feel that it was the Padres sitting there in front of you that you were that you were catching? Oh, I will. I, there's added pressure. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, that, there was tremendous pressure because you know San Diego that they added to that. Uh, you know, all we had to do was win one game in that yeah. last series, and uh, we lose the first uh, first two. I think Kane lost the first one. Zito, you know, because I like my chances there. So now we get the last game with uh, Johnny going Sanchez. I'm talking about, and uh, of course Johnny had popped off in July saying we're going to sweep them and we're going to beat them, and you know, and uh, that was the only time that one of our owners called me and says, "Hey, can you quiet down your guys?" Uh, Alan Byer, God bless them, and. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we, you know, before that last game, I, you know, that's probably as nervous as uh, I've been in the in the game, uh, uh, to be honest. Because you know, we we all all we had to do is win one, and we're playing San Diego, and uh, and uh, I just remember getting that notice, that memo from uh, uh, Michael King Kell, who was our traveling secretary, telling us to pack our bags uh, in case we lose the game, and. Uh, I'm sitting there going, well, that's not a good way to look at this, you know. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't want any negative thoughts here. So we, I went out, had a quick meeting. We're burning the bridges here and the bikes back in their bags. And we're going to win this tomorrow. And trust me, we wouldn't have won that game. But, I mean, we had a scenario looking at us. I mean, we would have had to go, go to San Diego, play them for the division. We'd lost that and go to Atlanta for the wild card. So there was a lot at stake. <laughs> A lot, a ton, and uh, thank goodness that uh, Johnny uh, swung through a 3-0 uh, take and uh, we ended up winning the game. Yeah, yeah, my gosh, what a day. By the way, if ownership called and asked you to <laughs> quiet Sanchez down, did you? Did you have a conversation with him? I brought him in, you know, and he, he, he realized, uh, you know, that he probably overdid it there a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you want your players confident, you do, but, you know, in a humble way, and uh that that would just he 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 just went overboard there and uh, and and there were some players that weren't too happy with him but uh, you know some of these guys get baited and uh, they he took the bait and uh, he let it go uh, you know and the thing is yeah. you go and he ended up pitching the last game so you know how much motivation it was on their part here's the guy that popped off so and we were facing uh, Latos and. Uh, so and we hadn't done too much with him. So really, that was the one game that, you know, you look at the odds board. With that was probably our least chance of winning. When that final out is made and you win the West, what goes through your mind? Um, I can't tell you uh, the euphoric feeling that uh, uh, went through my mind. Uh, you know, it. You know, first time in San Francisco. You know, since I had come up. So since uh 07 so you know it's a, that's a long spell not to get to the postseason first time with the giants get to the postseason how we got there having to win it on the last game uh i, I can't tell you the sense of relief too that went with that and uh and that's one of my favorite moments was uh was that game and uh because it you know it kind of uh got us started uh i think for the next uh 
you know, a few years of uh, success. The 0-2 pitch. Struck it out, swinging. The ball game is over, and the Giants have won the National League Western Division title for the first time in seven years. And they come pouring out of the dugout to begin the celebration over near the first base area. And they are jumping up and down. And Bruce Bochy, who led the Padres for 12 years, out in the middle of that celebration, which has moved now onto the grass behind the pitcher's mound, Bochy manages his first San Francisco division winner and the clinching game against his old team, the Padres. They called it the band of castoffs and misfits. You know, Cody Ross and Pat Burrell and, and, and Juan Uribe and Travis Ishikawa are the guys who are uh, playing huge roles in this whole story. How did you do it? How did, how did you get that out of them? You know, I don't know. I, I, I think it was more of a case as these guys just blended it so well and uh, and did such a good job of uh, holding each other accountable, uh, you know, that going out and, and getting this done. But, uh, you know, we a couple of times we, we talk about, uh, you know, um, our, our differences. Uh, I mean, it's you're going to have that in uh, any, you know, part of life uh, the diversity part of it and uh and we were as as diverse as anybody but uh you know if you learn to appreciate the other guys gifts and talents and what what you can learn from them on what can make you better as a player or a teammate whatever and these guys did it and uh they just gelled together and uh i mean you you throw huff in there too i mean this this these were misfits and uh but uh, they banded together, and, uh, and there were times when I thought I was going to break up fights in that clubhouse. But they were just getting on each other and making fun, and they, they appreciated uh, uh, their differences, and uh, they got along. First round of the playoffs, it's Bumgarner who gets the ball in game four, closes out the Braves for you guys to move on to the NLCS. He's only 20 years old as this is all happening. How did you manage him at that point in his career? You know, I I pretty much let him go even that early. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've, I've done anything different with him. I, you know, at an early age, when, once you got to know him, uh, you know, what, when not just a, a, a special guy he is uh, uh, as far as talent, but uh, this guy had unbelievable work ethic. And I know that from, from the get-go. I mean, he was religious with uh, his, his preparation, uh getting ready for a game as you know, workouts. And uh, so, um, but you know, you knew he had no fear and that's, I mean, he, he was just as tough a player as I've had in my career. And that, so he, he was an easy one for me. How would you describe the intensity of the next series against Philadelphia? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I felt good going in Philly. I mean, it probably started with when Timmy won game one against the Braves. And, uh, um, you know, that, that kind of validated that, hey, we're good. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm backing up a little bit cause I, before I get to this. Because game three, I thought, that's when I knew that this was a special team. You know, because I made a move there that I still question myself. I took out Sanchez in the eighth inning. And uh, we were at one nothing, And uh, Romo, we, he gave up that home run to Hensky, two-run homer. But we came back in the ninth off good pitching. 
and that we won it uh, and that winning it uh, against Atlanta. And I knew, I said, man, this team can handle anything with you know, you know, what they did in that game. And and so, um, you know, I felt good going into Philly series. And, uh, um, of course, Ross, you know, he with uh, what he did. and um, But, you know, when, when we got to Philly, I knew uh, or I felt, I can't say I knew, but I felt like game six was, was going to be, uh, you know, the big game for us. Because so, once we lost game five and we go to game six, I didn't want to play game seven in Philly. And that's when we just unloaded the barrel and, uh, and, and threw everything at them. That's an interesting comment about the move you made at the end of game three in the, in the Braves series. What, what was it that you were questioning about it even at the time? Well, Johnny was throwing the ball well. It was the eighth inning. I think it was one out. He walked a hitter. And, uh, and Troy Gloss was at the plate. And uh, he was a little bit older. And uh, But, you know, he was around 100 pitches. And uh, I had a good bullpen. And, uh, you know, I figured Bobby Cox would make a change. But that felt good with uh, Romo. Uh, uh, with both him on the mound and his command. As you know, Romo, I mean. You can't uh, you can't have a tougher guy out there uh, with the game on the line, and uh, so I made the move, even though Johnny had not given up a run and, uh, and was dealing. And so, and, and today, Mark, you wouldn't even think about that because the starter wouldn't be out there probably in the right. event for the most part. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, I bring in Romo, and he sure enough he pinch hits Hensky, uh, uh, and uh, he hits a home run. And, now we go 2-1. Now, this is a pivotal game, as you all know. It's the best of five. So now, instead of going up 2-1, looks like we're going to go down 2-1. Now you got an uphill climb. And uh, and then that ninth inning, uh, you know, with uh, some big two-out hits there, of course, an error. We came back and uh, scored two runs in the ninth inning uh, to win game five. But uh, I thought game four, I said, oh, my goodness, I, I might have cost us uh, – uh, this postseason. That's, that's what, how you wear it as a manager. Well, you made a lot of obviously uh, fantastic moves that worked out throughout the postseason as well. You mentioned game six in Philadelphia, and you knew that was the game. And, and if that's the case, I wonder what was going through your mind and body as Brian Wilson hands out, uh, out at, in the ninth inning of that game, a close game, has two walks in the game, this is this is torture that we're talking about, and that that became the mantra or the tagline for the whole team. You know, I know you've always had some relievers that have given you gray hairs. You've talked about Wilson and Affelt. So, what's going on in your stomach at that time, and and where is it that you find the the fortitude to stick with them in those moments? Well, Mark, I guess more than anything, uh, you just get used to it a little bit. Uh, And I'm going to go back to Atlanta. You know, that last game was a one-run game. He had two guys on there in in game five. And game four was a one-run game. And uh, um, he ended up walking a guy. That was just his way. It was torture. uh, uh, But there was a big arm, a power arm, 96, 97, that uh, he was our guy. And, uh but he had done it to me so many times, but I, I'm not going to lie. When you're in Philadelphia, and now we're talking one of the smallest ballparks in baseball, now he's setting it up for Ryan Howard, a left-handed hitter, to come up there with first and second. Uh, um, I, 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 was, I was just going, oh, my goodness, you know, I did this, this thing has a good chance going game seven if he makes a mistake. But when he threw that backdoor uh, cutter slider to um, strike him out for uh, the last out, you know, it, again, it's, it's like uh, 
yeah, last game against San Diego. Those are moments that uh, you'll relive the rest of your life. Uh, you're going back to the World Series as a manager for the first time since 98 as soon as he strikes out Ryan Howard. And then off you guys go, and you're about to face Cliff Lee. And I, I've referenced this to a few of the guys in, in, in this project, Boach. I, I remember the whole world was like, well, the Rangers are already up two games to none because you can't beat Cliff Lee in the postseason. He had never lost. So what are you, what are you telling your guys as you get ready to face him? You know, I'm, I'm trying to. That's that's one I can't remember if I met right before. I don't think I did on on that. I mean, we just, I mean, just played uh, two great series, and uh, I mean, our conference was sky high, and we had a pretty good guy going too, sure. <laughs> with Timmy. And so, uh, yeah, we we uh, really felt uh, good about our situation. Wait a minute, I said Timmy. Uh, yeah, Timmy. Uh, yeah, it was. It was Timmy. Yeah, and, Timmy. And, 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 uh, yeah. And, and and everybody thought this was going to be like a one nothing two one game, and it couldn't have, it couldn't have gone more different than uh, than we thought. And, uh, and so, because Timmy, if you remember, he had that ball hit to him, and he he got discombobulated. And uh, anyway, um, we uh, ended up boat racing him. And uh, so, I, I just think it was a case that we we had that much confidence that. Yeah, we we weren't buying into what you know other people were thinking about Cliff Lee. Well, I, I wonder if that was another moment similar to what your team overcame against Atlanta. I mean, you you are going against the the unbeatable Cliff Lee. Lincecum goes out and and gives up two runs right away, but your your offense responded and then some. I think you scored eleven runs in that game. So how how did the clubhouse change after after that took place? Well, I, I really think that they thought, you know, that we, you know, we weren't going to get beat. Uh, that's, 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 uh, and not, not in a, I mean, the conky, yeah, but, but not overboard on it. They, they were, you know, they knew we still had, uh, you know, work to do, but, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I've been around a, a more confident group. And, uh, and I think two guys who I should mention in this who really, uh, who really did so much uh, for uh, our team during that postseason was uh, Uribe and Renteria. These were two pros who who just kept getting on guys. Uh, Uribe, don't mess with my money, guys. Don't mess. We're, we're winning. You know, we're winning this thing. Don't, don't mess. I mean, that's that's who they were, and of course, the way they played. And because if you remember, Pablo was starting out as our third baseman, and I had to make a change. Uh, he had put on a few extra pounds. He just wasn't wasn't the same Pablo, and uh, we ended up putting uh, Uribe uh, playing him at third a lot, and um, and um, Renteria at short there. But uh, those guys, I think, helped become leaders uh, 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 for us during that postseason. And I'm talking about on the on the mental side because to win, you got to have talent, and you know you got to be uh, have have the the, the mental toughness and you know deal with the game but it's a performing under pressure thing and uh and these two were as good as uh, i've been around in the game uh the rangers win game three was there any hesitation that Bumgarner was your guy for game four no no not not at all uh, and uh you know i i, I still i, I look at, at that game i mean what what this young man had done had done for us that night uh, that really incredible no there's no hesitation at all 
you know, I probably look back and you know wonder why I didn't let him finish the game. Uh, I mean, what what a beautiful game he threw in the tough ballpark. And uh, so, you know, after he threw that game, I mean, you you have to like your chances. Uh, but but I will say, uh, uh, just to add a little bit more pressure to me, um, here's a story I've told him a few times. So if you heard it, uh, but anyway, we go back to the hotel. My we're up three to one after Bumgarner threw that beautiful game. And my brother, my younger brother, he's an engineer and he thinks a little bit different than the rest of us. But he, he uh, we're sitting there. He looks at me and goes, "You know, Bruce, if, uh, if you lose this series, you'll be known as a Bud Grant in, in baseball." <laughs> and Mark, I look at him. I go, "Really? Did you just say that? Really?" So you know, they just added to you know, no sleeping because we're, you know, <clears throat> we're approaching doing something that you know. I've never done. Most of these guys have never done. Uh, it's never been done in San Francisco, and, and he had to had to mention that the night before. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you'd also know that that when you get back to the yard, Timmy is going to be back on the mound, and, and he's already had a really nice postseason. You had referenced earlier in this conversation that toward the end of the regular season, he had gone through some struggles. At that point, are you sufficiently feeling like all is well and, and and he is the right guy for this moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, without question. Uh, I mean, the way he – I mean, you go back to Atlanta game, the games he had been throwing. Um, my only little concern uh, – I'm going to back up a hair here – was I brought him out of the bullpen in game six, and uh, um, and we still started him – game one in the World Series, but we had a little break there, but uh, you know, I, obviously I'm starting to feel like, hey, I don't want to overuse this kid, but uh, um, but the, you know, he, even after that, that game one, um, I, he, he was still our guy, and uh, you liked your chances. Uh, even though, we're, again, we're going against Cliff Lee, and of course that game was what we thought the first game would be like. Scoreless tie, seventh inning. Take us into that moment. You've got one out and runners at second and third. You're probably feeling like this is your opportunity to break through, but then Burl is at the plate, and he strikes out. And so now two outs. There's no more sack fly. Renteria's on deck. What are you thinking at that moment? Yeah, well, I knew uh, – well, first of all, Huff, you know, I mean, he, what a job he did setting that up with a beautiful bunt. And it was close to being a hit to having the bases loaded if nobody out. But uh, anyway, with Burrow, I, I knew I had a strikeout guy up there uh, because he, you know, a big power hitter. And he was he was on a pretty good roll with strikeouts. I still kid him about it. Uh, <laughs> as much as he did for us uh, – we we don't get there without him. Uh, when we acquired him on the 29th of May, uh, you know he he was on a pretty pretty impressive roll here with the strikeouts, and sure <laughs> enough, he he uh, stayed hot and, uh, and and got another strikeout. And uh, and so I thought, be honest, I thought they may walk him uh, at, at first because Edgar was such a clutch hitter, and uh, of course, go back to what he did with the Marlins and. Uh, that they may put him on because we had rowing uh, behind him. And uh, although he's a right-hand hitter, I thought, well, they, they could walk him here to put a force at every base um, and just to make it a little bit easier. But uh, uh, I will say, I, I don't know if we could have had a better hitter up there 
uh, with the game on the line because, again, talking about Uribe and, and Renteria, two of the best clutch players that uh, I've played with. The home run is the the one that is remembered forever and, and sets everything up, and then now we get to an emotion you've never felt before. Brian Wilson strikes out Nelson Cruz. What does it feel like? You know, I just remember throwing my arms up and, like, it's over. You know, it's like it, we did it. It's, it's you know, it's it's, it's surreal. It's, it's just you're, you're numb for a second. Uh, like, it's it's really over. Cruz waiting on Wilson. And the right-hander for the Giants throws. Swing and a miss! And that's it! The Giants, for the first time in 52 years, the Giants are world champions as they come pouring out of the dugout. Circling Brian Wilson, the bullpen, flying in from left center field. Dancing, hugging. And you can't help but think that this group is celebrating for the Say Hey Kid, for Will the Thrill, celebrating for number 25, and celebrating for all you Giants fans, wherever you are. Giants fans, this party is just getting started. Because you're running on adrenaline. And, you know, people are always asking me, man, was that fun? Was that fun? Well, it's, I don't know if fun's the right word. I mean, there's, there's pressure, but you have to enjoy it, too. So, I mean, sure, there's some fun in it. But, man, when it was over, it's like, oh, my goodness, we, we've done this. And uh, so I had family there. And, and it was one of, you know, the biggest celebrations that uh, you can ever be a part of. Uh, and, uh and um, I just remember having uh, all my family, most of them that were there, uh, uh, coming down and uh, and accomplishing something that you know I've been trying to do since I was a little kid or thought about, and uh, and it finally happened. And that flight back uh, to San Francisco was a, a flight I'll never forget because uh, you know, of course, we're talking and we're celebrating, and, uh, and it's just it's just a feeling that uh, it's hard to describe because there's. A, it's hard to find words for it. Bruce, how did that change your life? How did it change it? You know, it didn't change her at all. Yeah, it really, uh, I mean, uh, she, uh, obviously she was happy for me, but, uh, oh, you said life or wife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did it change your life? I hope it didn't change your wife. <laughs> oh, that, that's why I'm sorry. Well, yeah. That life, uh, you know what? Um, it, it it probably gave me, uh, I guess, you know, the satisfaction of doing something that I've been trying to do all my life. But at the same time, it you know, afterward, just made me hungry to want to do it again. And uh, uh, it just drove me probably even more to, to want to get back there again. And uh, so that's that's probably how it changed it. You know, uh, and that's exactly what you did. I mean, the, the next year was the year you guys lost Buster. Um, but but right back on the horse in 2012. And if you look at the numbers offensively, Boach, it's, it's probably even more surprising than the band of misfits in, in 2010. You know, Buster has a great year in 2012, but offensively outside of that, no, no one else is really kind of locked in for the year. So how, how did you sustain a winner that year? 
Well, again, I, I think you have to, and that again, look at our pitching. Uh, I mean, with what they did in our defense. Uh, uh, I mean, we just we we just played great baseball that uh, um, that good teams have to do when uh, you don't have the offense. Uh, that a lot of teams uh, have. I mean, we've, we'd never, I mean, through those years, uh, we never had a lot of power, but, uh, um, you know, we had clutch hitting. Uh, but I think more than anything uh, is this learning to play uh, uh, really good baseball in those really tight games, those, uh, uh, you know, those close games that uh, you need to win. And, um, you know, and that's what winning will do. When, when you – when you and again, 2011, yeah, we lost Buster. And even even though we lost Buster, we hung in there for a long yep. time. We really did. And uh, uh, Whiteside did a nice job behind the plate. And uh, but our offense, uh, our outfield, we just lost it. Uh, and Beltron got hurt. But in 12, uh, we still had that confidence going, and uh, that's probably how we got through it. A couple of notable things happened that summer. Matt Kane's perfect game. What, what do you remember about that night? Uh, nervous time, nervous time, uh, you know, with every pitch, uh, and, you know, I think for some reason I was thinking about Buster during that game because he's got a lot of pressure on him. You know, he's the one that's, uh, calling these pitches and, you know, he wants a perfect, you know, once his game got to the fifth and sixth inning, that's, uh, I was, I, I had him on my mind too, but, uh, and for, uh, Maddie and, uh, you know, and that's, that's a time when everybody comes together, Mark, uh, because sure, Manny throws the perfect game. He gets accolades, but it's everybody pulling for him so hard, not doing things in the dugout different. Uh, um, every position player has got pressure on him, uh, you know, not to make an error. And uh, so um, it's, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of guys that come together in the game. And uh, I think after that game, we even played better. Uh, and then the other very notable happening that summer is in July. Uh, Hunter Pence is acquired. What did you notice immediately, if you noticed anything immediately, about how that changed the clubhouse? Yeah, um, you know, I'd always uh, appreciated how Hunter played uh, back when I saw him in Houston and with Philly, and he was having a tough year. And, uh, and I think Philly, they were – to be honest, uh, uh, we're ready to move on. Because uh, uh, Hunter, he's, he's like Pablo a little bit, uh, especially if you want guys who control the strike zone. Uh, uh, he's, he's just not quite that, that type of player. But uh, I just knew that we were going to get a guy with a lot of energy, uh, a positive energy. Uh, uh, now, I didn't know him on how I know him now. but uh, And he came over, and he's getting to know uh, the guys well. And you look at his numbers weren't very good for us. Yeah. If you look at, you know, when we acquired him, but, uh, it was more how he played the game, how he, you know, is how he carried himself, how he hustled. Uh, uh, he brought that energy every day. Uh, but the numbers, they didn't impact us. Uh, and of course, you know, we go to, to the postseason. That's where, you know, we, we got a chance to see Hunter because when he had that, that, uh, speech that uh, he brought on in uh, Cincinnati. We had not heard that, Mark. That was the first time, really, I he had stepped up in the breach there and, uh, and, 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 and gave that kind of talk. So that, that was our first uh, notion of it. Well, take me to that moment, because it wasn't just him. I know, I know you spoke as well. You guys are down 0-2, and I wonder 
A, what you thought you needed to say to the players, and then what, what was it you actually went out there and said? Yeah, well, as you know, we got boat raced pretty good uh, the first two games at home. <laughs> I think it, we got outscored, I don't know, 14 to 2, if I remember right. And uh, and that's with Quato going down, and uh, they brought in late toast. And uh, Bum had a rough second start, uh, second game start. And uh, so it, I mean, you couldn't be in a, a more dire situation. Uh, we're flying in Cincinnati. They hadn't lost three games at home all year. They had an incredible team, uh, um, pitching, hitting. I mean, they had it all. So, you know, gods were against us any way you look at it. Uh, and so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what I, you know, what I can say to give them hope. And uh, so, you know, I, I brought up this Gideon story uh, and uh, about going against all odds. And um, it's a story, and I, I you know, I'm not a – a real religious person. I mean, I am. I'm a strong Christian, but uh, not like I, I, I brought in religion a lot to our meetings, I guess I should say. And, uh, but there was a story about uh, him going against the Medianites, and, uh, and you know, I don't remember the numbers, but he had like 300 men going against 100,000 Medianites. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, after I finished that story, um, that's when uh, Hunter stepped in. And Hunter, of course, he, he, it's just the way he did it. I mean, with the passion and everything that uh, that came out of him, and you know, he just started looking at Terrio, going, "Yeah, I want to see what you're going to wear tomorrow because Terrio will wear these outfits, outlandish outfits every day." And, uh, and he goes, I, "I'm I'm not ready to go home." And, uh, and so, you know, that uh, you know, that was the first time we had seen that. I mean, are you feeling almost surprised, upstaged? I mean, you you put all this thought into this speech, and then he follows you, and just and, and just you know, cha- it sounds like he changed everything in that moment. Well, I know I, I look for players, as you know. I, I in fact, a lot of times when I talk, I'll, I I like to open it up. So no, I was glad to see. For me, it showed that. Uh, you know, they weren't going to roll over, you know, and definitely uh, Hunter and Hunter didn't want them to roll over. So, no, it it, it, it was something that uh, um, I appreciated. And uh, and I, I've always appreciated guys, you know, step up and uh, help out and uh, say stuff. So, no, and it couldn't have really come at a bit, uh, better time. Now, with that said, you know, the talks, you know, whatever was said, if you remember game three, <laughs> well – uh, it's not like we came out with gangbusters. I mean, we're, we're getting no hit by Homer Bailey. So you can take you know, the talks, whatever. But we we were very fortunate to uh, to win that game. And thank goodness, Vogel song. He went out there and kept us in the game. Gave up one run in five innings, but we were pretty much shut down with um, one hit off of Bailey. And they they took him out after seven, but it was not looking good for us. Uh, you know, you're you're right there, Boach. It's, uh, I think history looks at that as, uh, you know, you had a nice speech, and then Hunter fired everybody up, and then, boom, you guys, uh, you know, ran out yelling onto the field and took over Cincinnati. But that's not actually the way it went, is it? No, no, uh, not at all. And, uh, you know, you look at that Cincinnati staff and, uh, you know, Cueto, who, you know, who gets talked about, Latos and 
I'm drawing a blank uh, to side kind of sidearm, or uh, but uh, uh, we were might have been facing their best pitcher Bailey, who I think had thrown a, a no hitter uh, earlier in the season, but uh, but he was a power arm and uh, he just completely shut us down. Uh, you had six elimination games in that postseason. Do you manage those differently at all? Um, yeah, I think you have to. And, you know, it's all hands on deck. Uh, yeah, I think you have to throw everything at them. Uh, there's, you got to play it like there's no tomorrow. So I think without question you have to. I mean, you can't have to go with the adage, well, this is how we've done it all year. It's, it's different during the season because of that margin of error and having to rest guys and whatever. But, uh, you know, no, it's about survival. So I, I do think you manage different. Uh, you know, it may not get discussed enough as you guys suddenly then, you know, you win those next three, the Buster Grand Slam, as you mentioned there off Latos. In the next round, a similar kind of a feeling in that you're you're down 3-1 and game five in St. Louis, you send Zito to the mound. I wonder, what did you, what did you say to him and how did that go? You know, I, I don't know if I said anything to him. I, I don't recall talking to him. Uh, you know, Barry was uh, throwing the ball uh, um, a lot better that year, and uh, um, he had to stumble there in Cincinnati, but, you know, our hitters picked us up there. But, uh, you know, again, this odds aren't with us right now. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, with the way the Cardinals were playing down 3-1, to one, and, uh, you know, Barry uh, – he had a way of, uh, of, you know, rising to the occasion at times and uh, like I've never seen. And, you know, we'll talk about the World Series later, but this was a moment like I've never seen. I mean, he's he, he's he, he's doing things that we've never seen, like a perfect drag button that game. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the uh, maniacal focus that he had in that game, uh, uh, just determined not to let us go home. Uh, you know, to me, that, that was a pivotal game in that whole series because that got us back home in San Francisco and as you know we end up you know, winning easily the next two but uh, that, that that game changed everything well I, I mean it's the start of a seven game win streak as it turned out so was there something you noticed that happened that night that sort of just changed the entire dynamic of the club and, you know, I felt it. I think they felt it. Uh, can we, you know, we're going home. Uh, we survived uh, down 3-1. I mean, it's a lot easier to win two games and three games, uh, uh, and plus at home. And, uh, you know, and of course, with, uh, you know, um, voguing Kane, uh, we had confidence in them. And uh, so it, it was uh, – there's a good vibe at that point. Uh, yeah. And you're on the road. It's a little bit different. You know, you, you just don't have that support, uh, uh, the love, I, I should say, and, uh, uh, and quite the confidence. That's why it was amazing what we did in Cincinnati and then to survive that in St. Louis and get home. I, I, I could see the difference in uh, the vibe. You know, you had mentioned what, uh, what you had to do in 2010 with Pablo. So how do you feel in 2012 with what you watch him go out there and do in game one? Yeah, yeah. I could have been happier for uh, uh, the young man at that time. Uh, I mean, he was like my kid, and uh, I've, I've had to give him a lot of tough love. And uh, and what he did there in Game One, and you're talking about the, you know the old David and Goliath. I mean, Verlander and Zito, and 
um, you know, end up being a Sandoval story along with Zito. But uh, I just remember after a second one, uh, uh, and you know, I go up that way. He goes, you know what? We haven't done anything yet. You know, that that was a comment I'll never forget by him. Yeah, he wasn't dwelling uh, or you know basking in uh, uh, in that second home run and goes out and hits another one. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's when I really felt good about this this team because really. Nobody gave us a chance that game with uh, the matchup and, of course, the Tigers with their hitting. And, you know, and to be fair to them, they had a pretty good layoff. That might have affected them. But, uh, you know, we just came out with this unbelievable pitching that uh, I don't think they've seen. Uh, and I know they hadn't seen them a week or whatever it was that they, they had a break and ended up throwing the next, you know, two shutouts the next two games. Yeah, you guys just steamrolled them. And uh, when Sergio Romo strikes out, Miguel Cabrera, now suddenly you're a two-time champ. How does that label resonate with you in that moment? Yeah, um, very similar, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, again, I'm going to mention the, the word validate uh, that, you know what, we're not lucky. We, we are good. And that's what you know, we heard a lot after the first one. And uh, and now with this one, uh, that, you know, this was a really good team. The Giants are or, um, you know, as good as any team in baseball. And we proved that in, uh, with that second one, if not the best team. And uh, so that's, that's what made that one feel good. Two and two the count. Romo shakes off Posey. Now has the one he likes. Romo's 2-2 pitch on the way. Cabrera takes strike three called. And the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. And the celebration begins as the Giants mob the mound. Cabrera strikes out looking to end it. And not only have the Giants won the World Series, they have swept the Tigers in four games in dominant fashion. And it's the second World Series title for the Giants in the last three seasons. Uh, all right, 2014, uh, a complicated year, I would think, for you, especially with your pitching staff beyond Bumgarner. Kane is hurt. Uh, Linscom is better, but still not quite what he had been years before. Vogie is not as strong as he had been. PV and Hudson are there as well, uh, the, the veterans. H- how did you manage all of that in that staff? Well, I mean, it was, it was a case where, you know, we were piecing it together all year, rags, uh, what a great job he did and uh and and keeping uh, these guys together and um you know Huddy was a big part of that staff and uh really was you know I probably look at it as as the, you know the leader um and somebody who probably impacted Bomb as much as any teammate that he had they were really good friends but uh I thought getting Peavy was huge for us from Boston that year uh, just uh, you know I his mentality. Uh, I mean, this. <clears throat> I mean, he was a guy that, you know, when he hit the field. I mean, you, you just saw, you know, what a tiger he was, and uh, um, I, I just think he was a difference maker uh, on our staff because we needed help at that time. And uh, you know, he wasn't the same Jake that I had in San Diego through ninety six, ninety seven, but he was the same in. Uh, how he competed, and uh, so I thought he just brought a, a lot of life uh, to the rotation, to the pitching, and uh, and um, helped us get through that year. You already established that you didn't have to do much with Madison Bumgarner when you're sending him out there for a start, but what about the wild card game? 
How, how did how did that feel pregame? Well, I, I mean, we had our guy. That's what you feel good about as a manager. When you go in that situation, you just want to have you know your best guys available, and um, and we had our best. And so um, it was in Pittsburgh, and and we hadn't played all that well there. But uh, uh, I still remember somebody. Um, I, I forgot who it was said said bum are, are you ready for this for this type of game he says no the question is is there a guy uh Volquez, is he ready for it you know it's like hey i got this you know question is is he ready and uh of course you saw what he did and of course yeah. in the fourth inning when I, I don't know if i've ever had more confidence in a, a four-run lead than uh i did when uh, uh crawford hit the grand slam in the fourth inning the way bum was throwing uh you know, he used what threw Pittsburgh off, I think, more than anything. It's because uh, he, he was a lot fastball cutter. Um, but that day, he had an unbelievable curveball going, and he used it well. And he just placed it so well, just below the zone where they chased a lot. And they just weren't expecting that. And uh, But I never felt better with a four-run lead in the fourth inning than I did that day. Yeah, managers, I know you don't think that way very often, but when you see Crawford's ball leave the yard, you're, I mean, you're thinking, you're thinking we're going to Washington. Right. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, not overboard on it, but I, I felt right. really, really good. <laughs> and, and to the surprise of many, you get through the Washington series. Um, St. Louis, game five. Uh, they are threatening to send the series back to St. Louis. Take me through the Michael Morse pinch hit at bat in the eighth inning. Nishak's 1-1 pinch. Swing, and there's a high drive down the left field line, hooking toward the corner. Goodbye! It's tied out! And Michael Morris hits the long ball that Bruce Bochy was hoping he'd hit. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was nice to have, again, it's nice to have a somebody that's uh that's on the bench available that that can make a a, a difference and uh and, and morris you know he was our big uh bat or whether dh or, or or pinch hit and uh but i couldn't have had a tougher matchup for him um they had a guy uh neshik uh, pat neshik who was just brutal right-handers with his arm angle and the way he ran and uh his slider and uh <clears throat> so you know, I put uh, Morris really in a tough situation. Uh, and son of a gun, if he doesn't come through and hit one of the biggest <laughs> home runs. I mean, we can talk about Ishii and all these other home runs. But sure. It's hard to hit one bigger than uh, than what he did with what was at stake. And, that's, and he, you know, Morris played with so much emotion. I remember when he came back and did the old high five. And, uh, yeah, I've got a good size hand. And, I mean, he smoked me so hard. I mean, I, I think I felt it for an inning. I mean, that's how pumped up he was. <laughs> so you're still feeling the Morse high five when Ishikawa goes up there and hits one out. Right, right. You know, the old story, uh, you know, what what was he doing in the game? Right. Because <laughs> uh, that was, uh, you know, that was the deal with uh, Ishii. We wanted a quality start out of him, like a pitcher. Six innings of the league, get him out of there. And, uh, and I remember uh, – you know, being on the bench and uh, and talking to uh, 
uh, Ronnie and, and Bam Bam, you know what? I, I, I'm going to try to get one more bat out, out of this. And, uh, and I was nervous about it. You know, if a ball would, you know, if it would have been hit the left field at normal left field or at Perez, if he would have caught it and I didn't have him out there and I lose the game, I'd have felt horrible. But I knew that, you know, for the most part, they had righties and, uh, uh, out there, so end up working out, and he swung on the two o pitch. And, uh, a lot of people are asking, "Well, how come you didn't make him take?" Well, I'm not gonna make him take, but you know, I thought he made take on his own yeah, because Walker was struggling. But uh, yeah, I'm glad he didn't. Now the stretch. Here it comes. Swing and there's a drive deep into right field, way back there. Goodbye. A home run for the game and for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant, and Travis Ishikawa is being clobbered by his teammates as he comes down the third base line, and he is mobbed at home plate. I couldn't be happier for a guy with this story before that home run, with him being in the minor leagues and thinking about going home, but, you know, he didn't want to send that message to his kid, you know, to give up or quit, and he hung in there. And you can't have a better story of perseverance than what Ishii showed that year because Brian was the one that came up with the idea of saying, hey, I think he can play left field. And I looked down and I said, what? (laughs) Yeah, I think he can. So we put him out there, and he actually did a pretty good job in the field. But uh, for him to still be out in the game, uh, be out in that game, I I still second-guess myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you could stop now. It worked out. Right, right. But I'm kidding. I tell Ishii that too. But uh, uh, just what a what a beautiful moment that was, huh? Uh, no doubt about it. And it puts you guys in the World Series, and and, and we all know what a long, winding road uh, that series with Kansas City was, like any seven game series. So when you get to Game Seven, there's a a fascinating story that I wanted to ask you about. You you told Jeremy Affelt before the game, you better be ready early. How did you know? Well, Mark, before every game, I mean, you kind of, kind of go through every scenario that uh, scenario that you, uh, you may be facing that day. But uh, getting back to what we talked about, uh, you know, you don't you don't play that elimination game the same as you do any other game. It's all all hands on deck again. And uh, I knew I had Baumgartner as a weapon in the bullpen. He's had two days off now. And he was, trust me, he was politicking to get in game six in the pitch. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, so, you know, I wanted somebody, if I had to get somebody up to help me get uh, get out of an inning uh, and who could get ready a little bit quicker, uh, it was going to be Affel. And so uh, I bring him in. It's very similar to uh, – um, Philadelphia in game uh, six, uh, you know, when, when we played that, uh, it was close to the same game because I felt came that game. If you remember, picked up Jonathan Sanchez in game six against Philly. Well, now I got him ready for uh, in case things uh, go awry with uh, Huddy, Hudson, who started that game. And sure enough, uh, you know, he came in. But you had to give – I felt warning because he had this knee brace. I mean, this thing, it's the biggest knee brace I've ever seen. It'd take him like 10 minutes, I think, to get it on. So, and, you know, those late relievers, you know, they get set in their ways. And uh, so, then, you know, they, they're in a comfort, comfort zone for five or six innings, and then they start 
coming down, getting stretched out, and getting ready. So uh, that's why I, I, I wanted to bring him in and tell him, hey, this this ain't no rehearsal. Yeah, we, we need you ready early. You're going to be the guy. So it's in, it's the fourth inning that Morse gives you the lead, and then after after that inning is over, you go straight to Mad Bum. What went into making that decision at that time? Well, he was our guy. He he was the guy that uh, I was going to use. Uh, Jeremy, uh, he got us through a couple of innings. Uh, thank goodness for uh, Panic's uh, double play uh, ball he handled. But uh, yeah. uh, he he was the guy. And uh, you know, the last thing I wanted uh, was a tie game where us get down one with that unbelievable bullpen Kansas City had. And uh, so I, you know, had Bum get up and. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will say, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this, but uh, uh, one thing when I brought him in, uh, you know, it didn't look too good. So I went, oh, my goodness, I've overused him, and uh, I was worried about it because Aoki, who we played for me, hit that line drive that we had played just right, and uh, Perez made that nice catch on the left field line. But uh, anyway, you know, the story is that, Bum was not ready. And I said, well, and so we talked about it later. I said, well, how, how could you not be ready? You knew what any you were coming in. But, yeah, but I need more time than that. Uh, so it was a case where he wasn't ready, and uh, and I put him out there. But he got through that first inning, and then, of course, you know what happened. Are you thinking right out of the gate that he can go the rest of the way if it goes well? or Or is that not even a thought in your mind? Um, no, I be honest. I wasn't planning on trying to get him to go uh, the rest of the way. I, I, I was hoping for you know maybe you know two three innings out of him. Um, but the way he was throwing as he went, that's when I changed my mind. That's what I said. That, that's the nice thing about being a manager. You can change your mind. Uh, you can adjust on the fly. And uh, but no, that you know, I didn't know. But I I didn't think uh, I would use him the rest of the way. Were there any moments you considered taking him out? No, no. And I had Casilla uh, ready after, uh, you know, the two-out triple, and uh, he was ready. But, you know, Santiago, he could spike that curveball. And, of course, his nerves, uh, I'm sure, were going to come into play. Not that he wouldn't have done it, but, you know, in that situation, I just said, I I got a calm guy out there that's – it's had the best pitching performance ever to this point in a postseason. And uh, so, no, that was a no-brainer for me. In fact, uh, I'll go back in the eighth inning. I wouldn't even look at him because I didn't want to make eye contact and him say, hey, I, I think I'm good. And he, uh, he wouldn't have done it, but all kidding aside, I, I wouldn't even look at him. <laughs> so you're avoiding him so that he won't say to you, okay, I, 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 I need to come out. You're, you just avoided him. Yeah, I was, I was going to let him come to me because uh, I'm watching his stuff, and it's nothing's changed, Mark. It, it was, you know, same stuff that he threw three days earlier when he shut him out, and they just could not figure him out. Uh, they just had had the hardest time, uh, you know, with that high fastball, that up-and-end fastball. He had good carry on that, and, of course, the off-speed pitches. But, uh but I, I remember Yost, uh, I think it was Yost telling me, or one of their coaches uh, later in the spring training, 
they were frustrated because their guys would not swing at the first pitch because he was just always getting strike one on them. And, uh, and, and they wouldn't swing. And he said that's what they were frustrated about. Um, I, I was surprised in looking up the Salvador Perez at bat that it was only six pitches because it felt like it took about ten minutes. <laughs> but what, what was the dugout like during that at bat? Yeah. You know what? That at bat reminded me of, and I, I swear for some reason it came into mind because I'm like you. Uh, this came into mind. I, I thought it was a longer at bat too. But uh, if you remember, if you go back to when we played Cincinnati in game five in Cincinnati and Romo faced Jay Bruce. Yes. And it was like 13 pitches. And right. For some reason that that, uh, that came into uh, uh, my, uh, my head there for a split second. But uh, – I was just saying at some point, you know, I gained, I pitched five. I said, all you got to do is throw a breaking ball here. Just, you know, and he's going to be so far ahead of it because basically it came down to everybody in the park knew what he was throwing. Perez knew what he was throwing. And I said, just, just flip him a breaking ball and he'd have no chance at it. But Bum later said, well, I knew I could get him on a breaking ball. But I didn't want to bounce and go to the backstop if they yeah. uh, spiked it too much. And uh, I, he said, but I knew I had that zone just right where I knew he couldn't hit it. Or if he hit it, he couldn't do any damage with it. Madison Bumgarner trying to wrap up this World Series for the Giants. He's ready. He throws. Swing and a pop-up. Side the ball. Down the line in foul ground. He's got plenty of room. And he's got it. And the Giants have won. They have won the World Series for the third time in five years. And Madison Bumgarner has firmly etched his name on the all-time World Series record books as one of the greatest World Series pitchers the game has ever seen. I wonder, as you're running out on the field, if you're able to immediately process, or if you even still have today, the idea of, three San Francisco Giants championships in five years? You know, I, 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 I haven't, Mark, to be honest. And even <laughs> after that, uh, you know, and it, I, I, I will say occasionally I look back because, you know, you, you hear people talk about their World Series, you know, what a moment that was, you know, whether it's the Cubs when they won theirs and whatever. I go, well, son of a gun, we won three in five years. And, uh, you know, I've had a couple moments, but uh, not where I've, I've thought a lot about it. And uh, I still, I've said I'm going to sit down and watch all the, all the games, all the tapes through 10, 12, and 14. I haven't done it yet. I couldn't have a better time to do it, which uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get to eventually. Right, right, right. And and you have all that alcohol from 2019. Uh, they, they, you know, you can uh, you can dive into while you're watching. You haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah, well, a couple of times I wish I'd have had it on the bench in those moments uh, <laughs> with Salvador Perez and Jay Bruce uh, up there. But uh, you know, uh, no, I, 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 you know what? It's I've had so many people tell me I, you you need to think about what what you guys did, and uh, the players need to think about it, uh, the, especially ones that were on all three, but. It's, it's, you know, looking back, it, it, you know, I guess it is amazing, but I haven't really had time to uh, put a lot of thought into it. Taking a look at some of the other career highlights, what did 2,000 wins mean to you? You know what? That was not a number I even thought about, Mark, to be honest. It just, 
it means I'm fortunate. Uh, uh, I've had great support. Uh, you know, I haven't been fired, and uh, I've been able to to be around that long to get 2,000 wins. Those wins are, aren't mine. They, you know, they're the players, and I told them that after that evening. The, um, the celebration, the moment that they gave me, uh, that's what meant a lot to me. Uh, that, you know, they really did care that much in, uh, in the city, uh, so that, that's what made that special. I wonder how the entire 2019 year felt for you. It's spring training when you announced that it'll be your your final year, and so that had to be a different dynamic. And then you're not only seeing an outpouring, as you mentioned, from San Francisco, you're seeing an outpouring in every city you visit. So what what, what was that whole year like? Yeah, um, well, spring training is emotional uh, day for me when I addressed the ball club. That's when I was going to tell them that uh, this would be my last year. And uh, and that was tough getting through that talk. Uh, that wasn't the gist of the talk. That was just the beginning. And uh, and so, you know, that, that was a difficult time. I, I'm not going to lie. And uh, But, you know, probably more than anything that year, which I, I didn't do enough of, and uh, I made sure I did it, was appreciate everything. Uh, from spring training to the games to the players, uh, you know, to realize, you know, what you have. And and I told them that. I said, you know, you guys need to do it too. And then if I can help you out at an early age, uh, because we don't. It, it goes by quick, and uh, and uh, you need to appreciate it a little bit more. If you don't realize it until you see it coming to an end that, uh, you know, what, what you have. So, you know, I, I learned to appreciate the year. It wasn't a, a great year for us. We had a nice run there to kind of get back in it. But uh, uh, but for what the teams did, uh, and that's not why I did it. I was kind of embarrassed about that probably as much as anything, but also very uh, appreciative. And, uh, you know, just an example, uh, you know, New York, what they did for me, uh, uh, and Mark DeRosa, they took me back to uh, Shea Stadium where I got my first hit in the big leagues, where home plate is still there beside the new stadium. And uh, we did a deal there. And then back in 1978, on July 19th, uh, we did a deal there. And that, you know, of course, you know, brought chills uh, for me and brought back great memories. And then Cincinnati, I, I grew up a big Reds fan uh, because my dad. And uh, to be in front of all those fans and them acknowledging me, uh, I just thought of my dad and, you know, how much, uh, how proud he would have been, uh, you know, there in Cincinnati. But really, and I don't want to leave out any club because they all all did such great things for me. But I was embarrassed, and that's not why I announced it early. It was more just so I could let the media know and so I wouldn't. Uh, put other people and myself having to answer that question all year. Am I coming back? And then to your final day at, at Oracle Park, it's interesting you talk about the, the emotions you had when you were addressing the team at the beginning of the year. What, what emotions are you feeling at the end of the year as you're addressing the fans? In the team right before that, that day briefly, and, uh, and then that day it was way beyond – you know, whatever I thought that day would be uh, or what, you know, what the Giants did uh, for me uh, was was unbelievable. I had no idea what, what was in store. And it started when I came out of my condo. I'd live across the street from the ballpark, and uh, 
And all of a sudden, there are all these cameras and people. I don't know how they knew where I lived, but uh, <laughs> anyway, they followed me all the way to the clubhouse. And uh, and then, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, you know it was a tough day being the last day. I had all my family there, everybody, and uh, and I just said I'm going to enjoy this day and have some fun with it. And then when I went, you know, from our clubhouse, as you know, you go down the steps, and when I came up the steps and up the second uh, set of steps up to the dugout, I went, oh, my God. There were I must have been 100 cameras there, you know, and people. Uh, and in the dugout, my family, which I didn't know. I knew none of this. And uh, my grandson was there who hammed it up pretty good. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, But my son threw out the first pitch. They didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me anything, including what was going to happen after the game. I mean, the game couldn't have gone worse for us. And, uh, right. you know, I felt for the fans there because it was a long game uh, for them to have to sit through. But they sat through it. And that's what amazed me more than anything is how many of those fans stayed, um, you know, for, you know, I guess my retirement deal after the game. Uh, you know, a little birdie told me that through all that, Everything that you just described, which I can only imagine the emotions going through you, that when you went out there and addressed everybody, you, you did it with zero notes. You, you just you just spoke from the heart. How did you keep everything together? Um, well, I told my wife, I said, I, I don't know what, what I'm going to do to get through this because uh, when they brought all those players, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, out from center field and, uh, you know, just waves of them, from, you know, different years. And, uh, of course, Timmy, the hand that he got. And uh, and I broke down a couple of times. And then when the players spoke and uh, the things that they gave me, uh, uh, but one things that they said, you know, Buster and Bogey and Torres, everybody, I, I get the one the Larry. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had some thoughts in my head because I knew I was going to have to say, a few words, but uh, with all this happening, um, I just try to thank everybody and, uh, and just give my my true thoughts from my heart. Uh, uh, from, you know, of course, the players, but uh, even the broadcasters. I mean, we've been good friends through this ownership. Uh, I just want to make sure I thanked everybody and my family, and uh, and of course, I had the fans at the end. Uh, what I wanted to say to them and. So, you know, I haven't looked at that yet and uh, because I know there's things I'm, I, I, uh, I probably didn't say right, but uh, I, it was it was tough to get through. I'm not going to lie. So now, if I can speak to the fans for a moment. We play for you. Without you, there's no baseball. There's no business, no television. No talk radio, no chance to compete out here. It's difficult to put it into words, the impact that you've had on me personally. You guys brought so much love to this team. And I can't tell you how many times we walked in this ball ballpark and your energy transferred to me and these players. You made a difference here. When I think of those years that we didn't come through for you, I apologize for disappointing you. 
But when I think of our championship years, I'm filled with gratitude because we did it together. Well, I remember what all the signs around the ballpark said that day, and I will, I will simply echo them right now and uh, saying thank you, Boach. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation, a real treat to get to have it with you. So thank you so much. Well, Mark, I thank you. Thank you for bringing back some unbelievable memories and uh, times. And, uh, and you know, real quick, you're talking about those signs. You know, that sign, thank you, Boats, was out in left field. But about three weeks after the season, I took my son out there in left field. And he saw that sign. He took his hat off and started tipping it again. I said, you stop it now. <laughs> no, I was kidding him. But, uh, you know, the last day was the equivalent to the World Series for me on what happened. And uh, uh, for me and my family, uh, it's a moment uh, we'll never forget. So thanks for, uh, for bringing up all these great memories for me. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by Oracle. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by Oracle, now. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.